Hey, everybody. Um, really, I don't need an introduction. Uh, if you live in the neighborhood, you may know me. If you don't, no big deal. Um, the bottom line is I love God. Uh, 2002, <clears throat> my life was truly transformed. Um, I rededicated my life to the Lord, and I've been walking with him since then. And uh, I thank God for the opportunity to be here with you today. <clears throat> um, I was assigned a passage that I found out yesterday was really difficult, <laughs> and that's why I was assigned it. No, um, But... Uh, I'm excited. I believe that God has a challenge for us. Um, but, but as I share, I'm going to move around a little bit. Is that okay? Um, I'm sure you're probably used to these three-point sermons where you're walking away with answers. But today, I have some questions for you to walk away with. <clears throat> uh, we are in a relationship with God. If you are a Christ follower... And as a Christ follower, what I mean is, you know, everybody says, oh, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But then you look at their life and you're like, but you don't follow Christ, though. So what your profession is doesn't match up with what your, your life is, is saying. And so um, I'm going to get into that shortly, but I just want to encourage you. I don't know who belongs here or who doesn't as far as as a member this is a great place to plug in. Um, where's my timer? Because I didn't even start yet. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I just want to make sure. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be here for a while. <clears throat> no, um, I, I've had the opportunity over the last, I'd say, year, year, year and a half to get to know um, some of the leadership here. And uh, I highly, highly respect and value what God is doing in this body. <clears throat> if, our, if our responsibility as Christ followers, you know, there's a model for a simple church that we use. It's to love God, to love people, and to make disciples. <clears throat> Over the course of three weeks, there were three different people bringing the gospel from this pulpit. That's impressive to me because all three of those people are members of this church. See, our responsibility is to develop, to make, to develop disciples that will go make more disciples. That's how the kingdom advances. That's how it spreads. <clears throat> and what I see Pastor Fred doing is just that. So if you belong here, that air kicked on. This may be a problem. I'm old school. My stuff is written down. So, uh, But uh, all that being said, I highly respect what Pastor Fred is doing. Um, Brother Greg, thank you so much for the intro. And uh, I also love uh, your heart in worship. Um, I've been to many churches and um, I thank God that here the worship is about God and it's focused on him and not us. And so, um, man, so okay, I guess that's my intro. All right. I want to pray and then we're going to jump in to the scriptures. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, as a body. We come before you as the church, Lord, and I thank you that you have your people gathered all across this country and in different time zones, that, that, that your kingdom is advancing in today's day and age. Lord, I just ask that, that as we jump into your word, Lord, just like you did with Lydia and Philippi, that, 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 that you would open our hearts to receive your word, to receive this message, Lord, that, that these challenges that, that you're laying out for us, Lord, that, that by the power of your spirit, we would rise to the occasion, Lord. It's our desire to live a life that is pleasing 
to you. So, Father, I ask that you would make this message plain, clear, use me as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, the title for this message is, Does the World Know? And if you have your Bibles, I would ask, turn with me to Philippians, and we're going to read through the passage. Um, we're going we're gonna to read through the passage, and then we're going to start to unpack some things, all right? So the question is, does the world know? Well, does the world know what? Let's look at this. Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 19. Say amen when you got it. Okay. And, and I want to encourage you. Do not become reliant upon the screen. There may come a day sooner than we think that we aren't allowed to gather like this anymore. You better know the book. There's going to come a time you may not be able to recharge your cell phone. If you have a cell phone with your location services on, if you use Facebook, you are constantly tracked. If you use Google, you are constantly tracked. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. All I'm saying is know the book, all right? Nothing replaces <laughs> an actual hands-on physical copy. So this is good, but don't become reliant upon it. Don't get lazy. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. It says this. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. <clears throat> so I told you, difficult passage here, huh? You can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it one of two ways. You could either look at it as there is nothing here, right, that is like super gospel. Or you could look at it the other way and say there is so much here, how do we cover this in the next 30 minutes? I look at it the second way, like there's so much here. How do we tackle all of this in such a short time span? So what I'd like you to do, if you would, if you can go to that first slide for me. Turn to John chapter 13. Turn to John chapter 13. And while you're turning there, I want to ask you uh, a few of the easier questions first. Um, simple question. And these are not rhetorical, so I would like a response, okay? What is the distinguishing mark of a zebra? Stripes, right? We know it's not a horse because horses don't have stripes. Zebras have stripes, right? What is the distinguishing mark of a cheetah? Spots, right? You see these spots on a cheetah, you know, let me go the opposite direction, right? 
I think even the zebras know, hey, watch out. Last question, what is the distinguishing mark of a Christian? I heard it, say it again. Love. Love. How do we know that? John chapter 13, <clears throat> look at verses 34 and 35. Here's what Jesus says as he's preparing to satisfy the full wrath of God for our sin. Here's what he says, John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Go back. Yeah, right here. So this is out of the New Living Translation. So let's read it from here. It says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. He says that the world will know, that all people will know, everyone will know that you're a follower of mine by your love. For one another. So this is what Jesus says. And, and, and this tells us then the distinguishing character trait, the, the, the mark, the identifier for the Christian is love. Turn back to Philippians with me now. Because as we look at this passage in Philippians, this is like a massive love fest. As we look at this and pick this apart, we're, we're, we're going to see what all is happening here. So, so back to Philippians chapter 2. You can go to the next slide. There we go. So Philippians chapter 2, once again in verse 19. Paul, um, and, and you know what? I'm sure you guys have a bunch of context. I'll give you just a little bit. All right, uh, I know you guys have been in Philippians for a while, so you've got context, context. But for those who haven't, um, a little bit of background. Paul takes Silas on his second, second missionary journey to check on the churches that he had established. Along the route, he picks up young Timothy. He takes him with him. In Acts chapter 16, verse 9, uh, right before that, the Spirit forbids Paul to go preach in these two locations, but then he gets this vision, the Macedonian call. He has a dream, this vision of a Macedonian man saying, hey, come help us. Come help us. So, so this new direction being led by the Spirit, they move to, to Macedonia. So they sail to Philippi. They go to a, they go to a prayer meeting. And meet a woman named Lydia. So, that, so, so there's this prayer meeting. There's not enough people to have a synagogue. So, so they're meeting by a river and they're praying. And, and it said that they would welcome Jewish teachers to come, and, to, to come and teach them. So here, they meet Lydia and boom, the church at Philippi is born. It says that, it says that God opened her heart opened her mind, opened her understanding to hear the message that Paul preached, the gospel. And so the church is born in Philippi. Not long after, a few days, Paul and Silas, they end up beaten and in prison for casting out an evil spirit. All right? So there's this lady that's walking behind them, and she's like, yo, these men, they preach the kingdom of God. These men, they preach the kingdom and Paul gets frustrated. He's like, yo, man, shut up. Demon, come out. And the demon come out. And the guys who were her handlers get mad because she was like their fortune teller. She was their hustle. So they take Paul. They take Silas. They throw him into prison. They beat him unjustly. And, and, and then what happens, God, and, and it, see, there's so much. Because here's what's crazy. God Leading Paul and Silas by the Spirit says, don't go preach there. Don't go preach there. You come preach here where you're going to end up going to jail. 
where you're going to end up being beaten unjustly. You, you, <laughs> I want you to go here to suffer for me. So God shakes the prison and he opens the prison doors and he opens, he, he unlocks all of the shackles and he saves the Philippian jailer. <laughs> all, of these, all of these different components, I mean, think about the prisoners, like they know they couldn't get the shackles off that was in there. They couldn't have popped the doors open. And it says that Paul and Silas, that, that it was the middle of the night and they were just singing these, these hymns to God and some rumbling and boom, prison doors just fly open. This would rock, I don't know about you, like I, I did a little bit of time in jail. If, if all the doors just open, I'd be like, what, what's going on? Said so the jailer was going to kill himself, but, but Paul was like, no, no, hold up, hold up, hold up. We're all here. The jailer gives his life to Christ and he becomes a follower. And, and it says after that, basically what happened is they, they asked Paul to leave. They, 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 they kicked him out. <laughs> it's like, yo, we don't want you around here no more, right? But here's the thing. In that short amount of, in that short amount of time, there were relationships that were developed with these people in the Philippian church and Paul and Silas. There were, there were these relationships because they had spent time together. They came together to fellowship. They came together to eat. They came together to, to, to hear the teaching of God's word. They came together to pray. And so these deep relationships were developed. And so fast forward 10 years or so, and that brings us to Paul in prison again, <laughs> writing a letter back to his brothers and sisters in Philippi. And so verse 19, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you so that I too may be cheered by news of you. So I'm just going to read some of my notes and, and kind of expound here, but we see Paul, he's going to send Timothy. He said, he said I, I, I want to send Timothy to check on you and then report back to me how you are getting along, how you're doing, so that I can be encouraged. He says, I, I, I want to know how you're doing because I want to hear what God is doing in the midst of you. I want to hear how he's working in your body, Right? He says, if I, if I hear that, that's going to be a great encouragement to me. You know, I shared with Pastor Fred, and, and, and I told you, like, I so highly respect what God is doing here. This isn't fluff for you to, like, make you feel good, right? I, I have a window cleaning business. And so in that window cleaning business, I was doing a customer, uh, their home in Lower Borough. And as I'm, as I'm cleaning the windows, getting everything set up and I'm working, she, uh, uh, the guy's wife, she says to me, um, I was mentioning about, you know, we have bought a church, whatever. She says, oh, you know, do you know, uh, do you know about redemption? I said, oh, yeah, I know Pastor Fred well. You know, we, we spend some time together. Uh, I go there sometimes to catch one of the services. And she said, well, you know what? I had a friend who was going there. And, and we used to go to this other church, I won't name it, but I had a friend who was going there, and she was only going there for like a month. She got COVID. And while she was down, some people from the church reached out to her and asked, hey, what can we do to help? Can, how can we take care of you? By sending food, paying a bill. Here's what happened. The lady that was in that predicament told this customer's wife, what happened? And here's what she said. She said, you know what? The, 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 the church I belong to, it's okay. But really, I want to be a part of something like that. I want to be somewhere where the love is evidenced and acts of service one to another. See, that's the kind of thing I, 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 I told Pastor Fred that because that's what Paul wants to hear. 
That's what he wants to hear here, that, that, that you guys are getting along, that, that you're loving one another, that you're serving one another, that God is moving in the midst of the body. And <clears throat> see, for me, I told you guys, I rededicated my life in 2002. When I got out of jail, I immediately started looking for a church. And God showed me when I was in jail, I prayed. I said, God, please put me around more mature Christians than myself. If not, I'm going to fall back into what I was doing. And he showed me, um, like, like, you know, whether it was a vision or whatever. He just, he just gave me a, a, a one guy. He showed me his face. And I knew if ain't nobody a Christian, that dude is a Christian. And so uh, when, when we got out, we tried one church on a Wednesday night Bible study. It wasn't for us. The next night, Thursday night Bible study, I never left that church. I was in the same church for the next 18 years. Last year, my pastor died. And that church, the, the building is, um, we're no longer gathering at the building. The people are around. Here's the thing, you know, my heart aches to be with my family again. It aches to be around. Like, it's good visiting you guys. That's great. It's good visiting at, you know, I go to Generations House of Worship, and, you know, I stopped out at Mount Calvary. And it's great to visit people. But, man, family, to, to be with some people that you have these deep connections with, I, I miss it. And so Paul here is saying, you, you know, I want to hear about what God is doing in your lives. And so verse 20 he says, uh, for I have no one like him. Now check this out. He says, for I have no one like him. For I have no one like him who is such a great preacher. Is that what it says? For I have no one like him who knows so much of the Bible. Is that what it says? For I have no one like him who, who is so handsome and eloquent. No, not at all. He says, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. See, whole lot of people around, but I have no one like Timothy, and the reason I want to send him, because I know he cares about you. He loves you. His concern is for your welfare. Another translation says he'll be concerned about your interests. He says he'll be concerned for your interests, for your welfare. Go to the next slide. If you have your sheet of paper in front of you, you're going to see question number one is this. Am I, am I, am I, this is self-reflection, not the person next to you. Am I genuinely concerned for the welfare of others, especially believers? Am I genuinely concerned for the welfare of others? Is this evidenced in the way that I live, in the way that I love? Is this evidenced in my prayer life? Are my prayers only about me and what I'm going through and, and, and what I want? Am I genuinely concerned for the welfare of others, especially believers? That's the first question. So let's move to verse 21. Verse 21 says, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. For they all seek, that's not a new problem. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. There are a lot of uh, angels, uh, what's to say, you know, ministers, angels of light, right? They look like the real deal, or can preach like 
but their heart, their interests do not line up with Christ. And, and, and so go to that next slide. This is question number two. Am I currently seeking my own interests only or the interests of King Jesus? See, in verse 21, when it says that they seek their own interests, this is the exact opposite of, of earlier in the letter, Philippians chapter, chapter 2, verse 4. Paul says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. If we're, if we're being truthful with ourselves, if, if we recognize and remember that we are in relationship as a Christ follower with God, right, that we're in relationship with him, we have to ask, am I currently seeking my own interests only? I want you to understand that this message is not like just for you. COVID has been a difficult season, at least for us. For the Jefferson family, it has been rough. And I'm sure I'm not the only one in that boat. But I have to examine my motives. I have to step back and say, okay, God, where are you leading us? Where do you, where do you want us? I, I can see this happening. I can see that happening. But, but Lord, let me, let, me set, let me set all of my interests aside. What do you want? That's question number two. So now we move to verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth how as a son with his father, he has served with me in the gospel. Now, I really like this verse, and I have a much greater understanding of it this year than I ever had. Paul says, but you know Timothy's proven worth, his, his, his proven character, that, that it's tested. And he says that how as a son with his father, he has served with me in the gospel. So, so Timothy now, for the course of about 10 years, has come along and he's riding, he's riding with Paul. And so this is the first year, I told you guys, you know, I started this business. This is the first year that I've ever had, um, like last year, I had my older son working with me. And then, and then this year, I, I've got, in the summertime, since they're both off from school, both of my sons working with me. This is one of the coolest things. To be able to have them around, to be able to, you, you know, I, 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 think part of, I think part of the problem with, with the, way that, the, the way that I've seen churches moving is there becomes this dependence upon the pastor or this dependence upon the leadership. Oh, well, I'm not growing, you know, da 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 you know, I need to find another church because of this or that. When ultimately, you, you, you know, the setup was never to be one guy just preaching at you Sunday after Sunday. You come in, you get your check mark, and you go back out. That's not how we make disciples. There has to be a training component. And so one of the coolest things that I love is that when my sons are working with me, right, they're learning on the job. Teach them a little bit, now go do. Come back, okay, change this, change that. Teach them a little bit, now go do. And this is what, this is what Paul was doing with Timothy. This is what Jesus did with his disciples, it wasn't just, okay, come here, sit here, stay here, don't do anything, just wait, just come, just stay, just be happy. It was, no, 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 learn this, go do it. Come back, oh my gosh, Lord, it's crazy, even the demons are subject to us in your name. It's like, yeah, don't be so happy about that. Be, be excited that your names are written in the, the book of life, right? And he sends them out again. And then ultimately, you have the big push when, when, when Jesus, in his resurrected body, 
says, yo, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, and he is going to give you the power to be my witnesses. You're going to go, and you're going to proclaim this truth to the ends of the earth. And he sends them out. As a church, our responsibility is to train. And what we see Paul Paul doing here, he says, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with his father, he has served with me in the gospel. Timothy was in the trenches with Paul, and here he is ministering to him while he's in prison. And so, verse, uh, let's look at, let's look at uh, verse 23. He says this, I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So he's saying, once again, the sending. I hope to send him just as soon as I see how it goes with me. Paul is like, yo, I got this, I got this case. I, I got this, this trial that I'm on, and I need him to be here right now. But as soon as we figure this thing out, I'm going to send him to you. All right. And he's like, and I'm trusting the Lord that I'm going to get to come see you too. Because Paul also has a longing to be with his brothers and sisters. And so, so uh, the, the, the beautiful thing here, we talked about that training that Paul is doing, that training that I'm able to do with my sons as they work with me. It's only in that time span that discipleship happens. When we are spending time with people, right? So for those of you that, that, that may not know, I do some gardening. Uh, I, I work with a ministry called Heaven's Family doing Farming God's Way. And so we do some gardens in and around New Kensington. And um, I don't garden because I love the garden, right? It's not a hot passion of mine. For me, it's not about growing food. It's about growing people. And in the garden, I get time with people, specifically young people. And we have the opportunity for discipleship there. And so let's look at, let's look at verse 25. Um, we move on to Epaphroditus. Paul says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. <clears throat> I want you to think about this. Um, he says, your, your, your messenger and minister to my need. <clears throat> How would you like to be described this way? <clears throat> as a true brother, as a co-worker, and as a fellow soldier in the gospel. If somebody was talking about you in your life and they, how about this? Not if somebody, if the Apostle Paul was talking about you, describing you, and that was the description, would you be happy with that? Hello? I'd be amped, Joe. Like, yo, he thinks, he, he, he's saying this about me? And so Epaphroditus, um, is it okay if we just call him Epap? In my notes, I ain't writing all that out. He's Epap, right? It's the homie Epap. That's probably what Paul called him. And so, so Epaphroditus is described as a true brother, a co-worker, and a fellow soldier. <clears throat> and Paul says, and your messenger and minister to my need. So, so they take up a collection, right? The whole church, the whole church at Philippi can't go to visit Paul. So, so, so they gather up this offering. They, 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 they put some stuff together. And Epaphroditus goes and takes it and goes to be with. They, they, they send somebody to be with Paul in this time. And he says, he begins to speak about Epaphroditus. He calls him, he calls him a fellow worker or a true brother, a fellow worker, and a fellow soldier. And so then look at verse 26. For he has been longing for you 
all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Once again, there is an ache. There is an ache in Epap in his heart to, 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 even though he's with Paul and he's ministering, his ache is still to be with his brothers and his sisters in Christ, to be back home with the body. And so, so it says that, it says that um, for, for he has been longing for you, you all, and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. So here, Epaphroditus was sick, but his concern was not about his own sickness and the situation he was in. His concern was for his brothers and sisters who were concerned about him because they heard he was sick. When I talk about love fest, this is what I'm talking about. So Paul is like, yo, I'm writing you this letter because I'm concerned about y'all. I love y'all. I'm going to send it back with the homie Epap. But listen, as Epap is coming back, I want you to know why he's coming back. He's done a good job, a good service. But Epap was heart sick because he knew you guys didn't know if he was okay or not. So. Verse uh, 20, we'll finish uh, 26. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Verse 27, indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. He says that Epap was so sick, he was about to die. This dude was really sick. But God had mercy on him. And, and Paul says, he also had mercy on me so that I don't have sorrow. Here I am sitting in prison. You guys send somebody to minister to me. And then the guy you send to me dies. And that's sorrow upon sorrow. Right? So he says, the Lord has mercy on me by raising him back up, by bringing him back to good health. In verse 28, <laughs> I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. Paul is in prison in his concern. It's for the body at Philippi. His concern is for the brothers and sisters there. And so, I got 15 minutes. So, we see once again this love fest. And, and verse, uh, verse 29 says this. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. The Bible tells us to give honor where honor is due. You know, Epaphroditus, we have no idea what, what his life was, what his business was, what his work was, you know, what type of family he had, if any. We have no idea what that background was. But the bottom line is Epaphroditus made a sacrifice to take this gift and to go minister to the needs of their brother Paul, who was in prison. And Paul says, you know what? Honor him. Honor him for that. Look at verse 30. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. The last slide, you can go to that. The third question. This is not a three-point sermon of answers. But these are three questions to ask to, to, to examine yourself. Am I willing to risk my life for the work of the kingdom?
for the advancing of the gospel, for the work of Christ. See, there's a, there's a weight <laughs> that, that comes along with this. Um, I think if you're here, and, and I don't want to presume that you are all Christians because I don't know. But consumer Christianity is give me, give me, give me. Jesus tells us that it's better to give <laughs> than to receive. And we're not just talking money. But I would, I would ask this question. When we ask, are you willing to risk your life? You know, some people struggle to make a stand when their life isn't on the line. Some people struggle to, to just share the gospel with somebody they know for fear of rejection. Here, Epaphroditus is like, yo, I'm going all out. Paul is in prison, and he knows where he's headed. He's like, yo, I'm going all out. Paul and Epaphroditus are not supposed to be the exception. They're supposed to be the rule. See, Jesus... Yo, he went all out. He came in the, in the, in the love. He, he said back in John 13, 34, he said, yo, I'm giving you this new command. You didn't heard, you know, love your neighbor. But no, no, no. You love one another the way that I have loved you. Jesus' love for us was displayed on a cross. That he would die, you know, not, not just for his disciples that he knew at that moment, but for all those he knew would come to faith in him. For us sitting in the seats today that follow him, he gave it all. And so let's, let's review these, these questions Number one, am I genuinely concerned for the welfare of others, especially believers? If love is the mark, the identifier, the distinguishing mark of the Christian, am I genuinely concerned for the welfare of others, especially believers? Does that show up in my life? Number two, am I currently seeking my own interests only? That's not a friendly question because, see, you might say, oh, no, I'm seeking the interests of Christ. But do your finances say that? Does the way you spend your time call you a liar? Am I seeking my own interests only or the interests of King Jesus? And number three, am I willing to risk my life? for the work of Christ. <clears throat> um, as scary, huh, I'll leave that. I'll leave that, I'll, I'll leave that in my own mind. Um, I am willing to risk my life for the work of Christ. I'm willing to put it all on the line. There's, there's nothing that is more valuable to me. And I want you to understand this. This does not make me perfect or this or that, any of that. Dude, I got sin in my life. I got issues. But there is nothing that is more valuable to me than my relationship with God. I want to live a life that is poured out and pleasing to him. And, and, and the cool thing is, when, when we come to that place, it isn't like, oh my gosh, we gave up all this stuff. No, this is real living. This is the abundant life that Jesus promised to us.
It's not like, oh, I got to go to church again. Oh, I got to, you know, go do this mission work. Or, oh, I got to go share the God. This is what we get to do in service to the one who gave his life for us. This is the abundant life. And so the final question takes us back to the title of the message, which is, does the world know that you're a Christian? Is there evidence in your life? Is this love displayed for God, for people? Is it a mark that identifies you as a Christ follower to the world? Um, we're going to close in Matthew, and I'm not, we're not even going to read the scripture. I'm just going to share with you. Matthew 25. I told you I would not presume that everyone is a Christian. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46, Jesus talks about the final judgment. And he says there's going to be a gathering of sheep and goats. Sheep and goats. And he says, the sheep I'm going to gather to my right. And I'm going to say, when, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, like, like Paul, you visited me. When I was in the hospital, when I was sick. You came and, 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 and you comforted me. And he said, the, the, the sheep, they're going to be like, well, Jesus, when did we do that? Like, we didn't, we, when did we see you hungry or naked or, 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 or in prison or in the hospital? When did we see you in those situations? And Jesus says, if you did it to the least of these one of my brothers, to, to the least of, if you've done it to one of my brothers, you've done it for me. Our opportunity to show God that we love him is by walking in obedience and by loving his people. And here's the crazy part. He says, you know, now, now come on in, come on in, come on in, come on into the kingdom. But, but then to these goats, right? These goats, well, I guess it'd be this way, on the left hand. These goats, he says, when I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. When I was naked, you didn't give me some clothes. When I was, when I was in prison, in the hospital, you didn't come visit me. You didn't comfort me. And he says, or they say, well, Lord, what do you mean? Like, Lord, what you mean? We, 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 we never saw you in these situations. He says, well, but, but you didn't do it for my brothers. And he says, depart from me. Depart from me. Does the evidence in our lives, does the fruit say that we belong to the king? Or does it say that we still belong to this world? You don't have to be perfect, but if Jesus is your Lord, you must be committed. I want to close. If you don't know Jesus personally, see me, my life before Christ was marked by a self, I don't even know if I could call it a love, but a self-indulgence. Life revolved around me, around my interests, around what I want. It didn't matter who I hurt. It didn't matter at whose expense I got what I wanted. As long as I was satisfied, I was good. But God took out my heart of stone and he gave me a heart of flesh. When I was born again, I had this new love. Like, like, I just wanted to help people. Why? I don't know. I just, something in me changed. 
and my affections were toward God. My, my, my heart was toward people that I never cared about before. If you don't know Christ as your, as your Lord and, and, and as your Savior, then that love does not exist in you. But I'm inviting you today, you're here today, or you're listening online today, because this is an invitation to come into this abundant life, to be born again. And so I want to close in prayer. And then um, thank you guys so much for your time. I pray that you would take these questions and really mill them over because as you're in relationship with God, as you're asking these questions, the Holy Spirit will point out to you the areas that need to shift. Don't be content where you are. Let's pray. Father, we sang today that we need you that every day, that every hour, we need you. Lord, we need you. Father, our desire is to accomplish the mission that you have set out for our lives. We want to get to the end of our race and hear you say, well done, my good and my faithful servant. We want to make you proud with our lives. Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would bring the conviction upon our hearts, that you would, that you would show us within our minds the areas in our calendar where we're off, the areas in our time where we're off, and our finances where we're off, Lord God, and our love and in our relationships where we're off. And Lord, that you would give us the boldness to get in line with what you want to do in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would use us as vessels for your glory. Lord, I pray for all of those under the sound of my voice and ask that if there be any that don't know you, that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would open their hearts just as you did with Lydia, just as you did with me, to receive your gospel and to be born again. Lord, for those of us that are already following you, I thank you that your love is not based on our performance, but it's based on the work that Jesus did, that he paid our sin debt in full, and now we are fully sons and daughters of yours, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to be in relationship, and we ask, Lord, have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen.